we got a phone call from the guys at Movement. They said, we've got this guy coming from Brazil. He's absolutely phenomenal. You need to have him playing at your night. And we just thought, well, we'll get him up. We'll give it a shot. We, nobody had ever heard of him. Lots of people came down. And I think he's the first, D, first and only DJ that's basically made me cry with his first two tunes. Do you remember what the tunes were? Uh, no, I mean, I was crying. <laughs> I can, you know, I was losing my mind at that point. Mm -hmm. Nobody had ever brought so much energy as a DJ. We'd never seen anything like it. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Clubbing Together, the Skinny's new podcast series. With me, freelance journalist Kiara Wilkinson. And me, the Skinny's Club's editor, Nadia Eunice. In this series, we'll be exploring Scotland's rich and vibrant club scene and speaking to the promoters behind some of the nation's best and most successful club nights. For this episode, we meet George MacDonald, also known as GMAC, to discuss his pioneering drum and bass party, Manga. So George, would you just like to kick things off and introduce yourself? Yes, I am George MacDonald, uh, otherwise known uh, previously as DJ GMAC, was my DJ name. I'm currently running Underground Solution Records on Coburn Street in Edinburgh, and been doing that since 2006. I also run the production at La Belle Angel, uh, still, and uh, do the sound there, basically mix bands and look after all the clubs and stuff. So that's what I'm up to at the moment still. Most people credit Manga as Scotland's first regular drum and bass club night. Manga launched in 1996 at Edinburgh's La and Shell nightclub, a 600 capacity venue on the Cowgate, an area known by locals for its lively bars and parties. Playing early variations of jungle and breakbeat, Manga brought a new, higher BPM sound to a city where most people hadn't yet heard D&B in a club environment. Interest quickly exploded and the night soon garnered a cult-like reputation that brought coachloads of punters in from up and down the country. With its unique anime-style flyers and dance floor projections to match, Manga had a strong visual identity that arguably helped to solidify itself in the competitive 90s club circuit. George MacDonald, who now runs Underground Solution Record Store on Coburn Street, was the brains behind the operation, along with designer and in-club visual artist Paul Ballingall. Peter Symington, also known as DJ Kid, was a resident DJ and guest frames from Richie Rufton to Metalheads Pesce. The rest of the crew included resident MC Sonny, VJ A. Dan, as well as the General, MC Feelman, Grand Unified and Senses. However, it goes without saying that all good things must come to an end. And after a successful 12-year run, the club closed its doors for good in 2008. But its legacy still fell in Scotland today. Manga gave birth to various D&B club nights thereafter, most notably Explicit. So back in 1995, uh, myself and partner Paul Ballingall, we were promoting nights at La Belle Angel in Edinburgh. And we were looking to start a new night. And during that period, I'd really discovered drum and bass and jungle as a, probably the most exciting thing that had happened for quite some time. In January 1996, we launched our new night called Manga at La Belle Angel. And pretty much it was the first regular drum and bass night, jungle night in Edinburgh City. Very luckily, we already had a Friday 
fortnightly Friday already at La Belangeau. I'm pretty sure if we'd gone to any other club in the city and said we want to do a jungle night, they would have been like, uh, no, no, we'll not, we'll not be having that. So we were lucky. We were in a really good venue and we got to do, do whatever we wanted. And we started our own drum and bass night before really knowing what we were doing. And uh, it was awesome. On the first night, we had Richie Ruffdone, DMC champ, uh, come and give me a hand. Because to be honest, at that point, I didn't really know anyone else who was DJing drum and bass apart from Richie. And very quickly after that, everyone in the whole drum and bass community, jungle community, started to contact us. And within a few weeks, we had all sorts of people coming in to play, most notably DJ Kid, who had been doing some nights in Edinburgh prior to us. Um, so yeah, we pretty much brought drum and bass to Edinburgh's club scene on a regular basis for the first time, which was a bit of a, it was just like an explosion of interest. Most people in Edinburgh had never been to a drum and bass or jungle night. Uh, and it was just a great opportunity for people to come and hear it in a club properly for the first time. Luckily, we had a pretty nice sound system, which made everything sound brilliant. And people just, people were just vibing straight away. It was great. First five nights sold out, no guests. And it was just, you know, the amount of interest from everyone, all, all different people, whether it was students, local clubbers, everyone who was into the music, uh, obviously was super excited, but lots of people who didn't know the music came to check it out. And at that time, and certainly in terms of, in terms of sort of clubbing, there was obviously your sort of clubbing scenes, but for a place like La Belangelle, every week you had almost a totally different sound. Every club was different, but lots of people came to all the nights. It was amazing. It was just like people were open to everything. So yeah, it was, a, it was a special time from the point of view of bringing a new type of music to Edinburgh's clubbing scene. You know, it was, we were very lucky we managed to get that going at the right time. How did you like personally get into drum and bass? If it, like, was there much of it going on in other parts of Scotland at the time? So the, the, in the years prior to us getting our night together, I was going to lots and lots of clubs every week basically checking out who was doing what and you know trying to check DJs out. Certainly people like DJ Kid, Senses the General, there was a whole load of drum and bass people, jungle people who were putting on nights when they could but they tended to be just one-off nights like with a special guest and I, I definitely caught a few of them at places like the venue where occasionally you would get English promoters or you know the odd English student who would bring their mates up and throw a party. And that that was, you know, if you were lucky enough to catch things like that at the time, because no one else was doing that sound really, uh, it was a bit of a revelation. So yeah, I was lucky enough to catch a few of those nights and certainly lucky enough to be hanging out in record shops where the music was filtering through. There wasn't much of it, but you could find some of the, find some of the records and start putting it together in a DJ set and, you know, you could start hearing drum and bass in all types of music. It was sort of infiltrating its way into lots of different scenes. And it seemed to be the most exciting way, the most exciting energetic music that was out there for me anyway. So yeah, that's pretty much where it all came. I mean, I was, I've been DJing since about 89 and just 
had my ears open to anything that came along and luckily we had a couple of good record shops uh, in Edinburgh who would pretty much, you know, like FOP and Avalanche and places like that where they would just get random selections of, of dance music and, you know, you, you could discover a bit of that stuff. But there wasn't much of it, that's for sure. It was hard work to get the music, it's not like now. So yeah, that was that was how I discovered it basically. I mean, there was probably a bit on the radio. You had Fabio, you know, there was a bit of pirate radio going on in Edinburgh at the time. Actually, Richie Ruffton, he invited me along to play at a few of the pirates show, you know, a few of the pirate stations uh, where there was obviously a big rave scene, and that was, you know, that had elements of jungle in it as well, and you were sort of discovering a lot of music through that whole network. And I have to keep reminding people, you know, pre-internet, you really had to work hard to get to hear stuff or even know what it was that you were hearing. Uh, and that was that was how, how hard it was for DJs. You could hear lots of music, but even trying to know what it was, never mind actually get hold of it. It was quite, a, quite an intense mission in life, you could say. <laughs> how did you end up finding out what music was being played? Was it just kind of by talking to other DJs? Like if you heard a track that you wanted to know... I mean, there was there was definitely a camaraderie, and certainly, you know, you 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 would certainly try and trade information with other with other DJs, and obviously there was printed press as well. So back then, you could get there was the odd specialist section in like a DJ magazine. They'd have a little bit about jungle or rave or something, and you could get more information that way. There used to be, you know. Even the bigger shops, they would have like a dance music section and you could, you know, you would just be lucky dipping to try and find out, listen to tracks. And, you know, sometimes it would be a year after you heard it, you'd just finally discover the track that you'd heard a year ago. And Well, I guess you couldn't Shazam it or ask on Facebook for a track ID. Yeah, I mean, the, the traditional situation when you went to see a DJ in Jungle, certainly in Jungle Drum and Bass, a lot pretty much all the music was getting played off dub plate. And the only thing to tell the person what's on that record is like literally a scribble with the name of the track. So even if you were at a gig, you want to know what the track was playing, you could look at the turntable and you would look at the turntable and there would be absolutely no chance you could work out what it was. Like if you were lucky, you might catch a glimpse of what was written on it. And of course you could ask, you could ask the DJ they're not going to tell you because <laughs> they want to keep it for themselves, obviously. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, the the intensity of the sort of, I mean, I suppose, a, you know, the, the, the whole sort of DJ scene, certainly in Drum and Bass Jungle back then, you had big artists making big tracks, but you also had so much amazing music that was sort of hidden in a sense. And luckily enough, people like, DJ Kid, he'd been doing it for a lot longer. He knew a lot of the guys. He was getting sent music. He hooked me up with a lot of artists. So we were very quickly after we started, we were really getting some of the best music out there exclusive for our night. And that's what that that was the big difference back then. People would come to Manga and easily 90% of the music on the night they'd never heard before. Maybe you'd play a few of the big tracks, but you would quite easily play an entire set of unreleased brand new music that was not on the internet, nowhere, you wouldn't hear it anywhere else. Maybe another DJ would play some of it. 
uh, and the excitement people had, that hunger to hear new music uh, was right the way through the whole club. You know, people were just buzzing to hear new stuff all the time. And so when we decided to do a drum and bass night, we probably, we took a huge risk. I mean, because we weren't connected in any sort of way to any existing scene, as it were, it was like trying to generate an entire new scene from scratch. It's quite likely that if we'd said to anyone, we're going to start a drum and bass night or a jungle night, people would be like, it's just what are you doing? You know, it hasn't been done. Nobody, nobody's doing it. But we were very, very set, uh, myself and Paul Balingo, we were very much looking for a combination of very strong visuals, which was his thing. He was a very talented graphic designer and visualizer and artist. And he wanted to find something that would inspire him to make a new interior for the club and have some, some really good ammunition. So the two of us decided that an anime-based manga-type visual would be really good. And at the same time, the sound of drum and bass and the the speed, the energy, it all fitted together so well. It was just an obvious choice. We had to generate a whole scene almost from nothing. We didn't know what, what was going to happen. So we put a huge amount of effort into the promotion. At the time, it was a lot of money. We spent big time. We really went for it. Thousands of posters, thousands of flyers. We just, we just threw the kitchen sink at it. And that really paid off because everybody knew about the club before it started. We were up to all sorts. I, to be honest, I can't remember what. We had a few stunts and all sorts of stuff going on. But uh, back then it was all it was all about flyering and posters and you could you could have big teams of people all day, every day, seven days a week, basically. What do you mean by uh, stunts? So yeah, we um I mean you over the years we'd been doing various parties where you would get people dressed up and sort of st you know your flyer crew would be all you could you know spend a bit of time on who is promoting your night so you're getting the right people dressed the right way and have a really good sort of approach to trying to i mean the competition to get people to come to clubs back then was insane on a friday saturday night in edinburgh there could be something like you know 20 plus different nights all with their own flyer teams all with their own posters going up everywhere. It was madness, absolute madness. So you had to sort of find ways to stand out. And, you know, luckily we actually ended up hooking up with uh, the actual Manga UK company, which gave us access to all their artwork and movies uh, and gave us sponsorship. So we, we actually started doing manga cinema shows before the club. So we would do like, they had, we did a few sort of special screenings for the company. And, you know, you could, if you had a ticket for the club, you could get in to see the, the movie first. You know, just like things like that. We just had a look, you know, you're always trying to find new ways to engage with clubbers and, you know, tourists and people who are out and about and get them down to the night. But yeah, we were, we were very lucky because that first image that we used was like a, a really friendly looking little anima uh, little character that we we came up with and uh, it really caught caught people's eye and we were really lucky the 90s is often heralded as a golden age of scottish clubbing in edinburgh jd twitch and brainstorm's legendary club night pure at the venue which launched in 1990 and ran for a decade 
brought a whole new kind of clubbing experience to the capital and paved the way for many other popular club nights to arise in the years to follow, including the likes of Tribal Function, Wave and Sativa. But while club nights in the early 90s were frequently plagued by football and gang-related violence, by the mid-90s this had started to peter out and new venues were starting to open around the city offering budding promoters even more opportunity within Edinburgh's club scene. One of these venues was La Belle and Gel, which opened in the early 90s and became Manga's official home when it launched in 1996. However, on the 7th of December 2002, an accidental fire caused by a malfunctioning fuse box in the building above left La Belle and Gel and several other venues on the Cowgate completely destroyed, and the venue didn't reopen properly again until 2014. During that time, Manga continued at various other venues around the city, including the Liquid Room, Honeycomb and the Bongo Club, as well as travelling to the sub-club in Glasgow and even further afield to Sweden. We, there was a lot of interconnections between all the nights that were going on. You had a really strong funk and soul scene, incredibly strong techno scene, lots of house music parties. You know, the venue itself, the venue, the legendary club, had so much good stuff going on. And then you had Colton Studios, you had Wilkie House, you had The Vaults, you had Liquid Room, or 9C as it used to be called. Um, so much good music going on. I mean, amazing to think how big a scene it was back then. I mean, there used to be like, I would say on some Saturdays, there could be 30, 40 coaches of people coming in Edinburgh to go to parties. Our night, we used to, you could easily get two, three coaches coming from all over Scotland. Uh, and it was sort of the same in lots of different scenes. People really making the effort to travel. I would say in terms of big parties going on at that time, Tribal Function, who uh, we were very we were connected with, was you know big inspiration for a sort of new breed of promoters and DJs. Uh, you had things like you know obviously Pure at the venue was an institution that everybody was sort of connected with. You had, you know, new venues opening up like La Belle Angele and uh, the Bongo Club and places where whole new groups of sort of younger, you know, different different scenes in a way. So you had a very arty, you know, some places were very arty based, some places were just pure hard, hardcore club in. And, you know, they all had their sort of own little place. Some of them were maybe a wee bit scary. Uh, if you were a promoter, you would, you know, you you're trying to find the, the best setup to do your night, and it wasn't easy. It definitely wasn't easy. But yeah, definitely lots of good people back then working really hard on all aspects of the, you know, the clubs that were happening. So much good music. It's very hard to remember it all because was so much of it, just ridiculous amounts. But yeah, you could keep keep grilling me. <laughs> <laughs> Try and remember as much as I can. Uh, there was um, one thing I wanted to ask about in terms of like the 90s scene. A lot of club nights at the time, I think, especially Pure, spoke about the kind of football casual issue. Was that anything that kind of filtered through into manga or did that not really... Was it kind of past that point maybe by then? It was a bit beyond that period, to be honest. But uh, it didn't... You know, I think every every venue in the city had its issues with you know, drug dealers and bad people, I suppose. We were lucky because right from the early days at La Belle, we appealed, the venue itself appealed to a very, very broad range of people. 
And of course, some of the nights became more druggy, I suppose, if you want to say. Some nights, you know, were very easy going. I think manga was maybe in the middle in a sense that it really brought people together from all different communities. Like there was a big student, you know, there was lots of English students who knew Jungle, who were in Edinburgh, and they discovered there was a night they could go to. And then you had all the Scottish students who were like, what is this? This is, you know, this is amazing. Uh, and then you had all the old school ravers they didn't have anywhere to go, so that was summer for them to go. And then you had a, a whole lot of new people who just discovered it through us and, you know, latched onto it. And uh, I think we were very lucky. We had such a good mixture of people coming, you know, young and old and everywhere in between. It was great. Back then you had a huge network of bars that people would, people would go to before they went clubbing. So those bars were part of the whole PR situation. Basically, you would you would spend time catching everyone in those bars, be out all week, putting up posters. You have the fly posting guys doing all the the postering around the town. You used to have, used to be able to do poster boards on all the lampposts. So you could you could be spending a fortune on print, but if you had a really strong image, it you could cover the whole city with that image, and it would really make an impact. And especially if you've got really good DJ booking, you know, if you've got a big guest, you could have their name everywhere. It would really make an impact, get a buzz going. And if you say you have 20, 20 of those a week, it looks, you know, it just inspires the whole scene as it were. Whereas now people are on their phones looking at Facebook events. It's not, I don't feel like it's shared as much. And of course it is shared because that's the whole thing with social media, but it's, it's maybe not shared at the right place and time for people to really get excited as much as they used to. I don't know. I'm obviously an old fogey with that one, but. Would you say that you followed quite a lot of the design trends at the time with your posters and stuff, or was it just solely your own image? We were obviously very lucky that we had manga visuals as our basis, and we were a bit of an outsider project in a sense when we started out Paul did all the, the artwork and he did a lot of it manually typesetted stuff he wasn't really using computers back then so we had a certain look a lot of it was you know looked very handmade uh, which is quite a nice you know thing to have um, it went very well with the interior of the club which was a big part of the experience was you know the, the sort of slightly cyberpunk aspect of the venue we had a lot of graph art, we had some amazing sculptures, we had all sorts of TVs, video screens. We went crazy with the interior. The amount of stuff we had filled like a big van, basically. So it may, you know, set the scene for being more than just a musical experience and the artwork and the whole PR side of it is the sort of the first thing that you you experience and it goes right the way through the club. So yeah, we were very lucky we had the manga stuff. We ended up working with uh, another Paul who has 16K design. He's been doing a, he's been doing club artwork in Edinburgh for probably longer than anyone. He's got a very amazing back catalogue of work that he's done for lots of people. So we were lucky to have him. He had his studio in the 369 gallery, which was in front of Le Belangel and unfortunately was lost in the big fire mm. so he he's you know we've been through the wars with him as well mm. unfortunately but 
he was doing our artwork for a very long time. He's done some mm. amazing work for us. Cool. And I guess um, um, kind of like the early noughties, that was kind of like when the internet was, um, you know, getting really popular. The first kind of like random blogs and stuff. Did you um, move on to that um, with your promotion? So? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we were doing emailing lists quite early on. We were doing trying to take part in various forums so there was lots of little forums springing up for different types of music there was a scottish drum and bass forum which had lots of activity on it and there was a bit the sort of early social media days i suppose but yeah it was mostly emails and being able to communicate with the press a lot easier so prior to internet madness uh, you would have to actually fight to get access to people in the press because of the amount of people putting on events. For example, the List magazine was pretty much the only place that had a listing guide printed for the club scene in Edinburgh. And that became the number one outlet for any information, basically. So we were lucky enough to have a good relationship with them and we got a lot of press through the list and other Scottish print so you know we were in you know evening news and all that there used to be a club section in the Scotsman at one point you know so you know you were you were trying to use all of those those aspects but the list was very important and luckily they got right behind us uh, you've probably seen the goodbye to manga online that's still up there Unfortunately, they did make a few glaring errors in that. But is a you know they've 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 done a really good job of documenting a lot of that pre-internet club world mm, cool. and all the events that took place. So, so yeah, it's hard to remember pre-internet, <laughs> isn't it? I well, for, wasn't really for around. <laughs> <laughs> um, are there any are there any club nights? maybe now or that kind of you see as having been influenced by manga or at the time just after manga ended that maybe seem to be like follow-ons from it there's quite a few nice things to have come out of not only you know quite a lot of clubs that were around at that point or before really did inspire a lot of people to go out like myself inspired by renegades pure nights you know you sort of you get so engrossed in what people are doing that you want to do it yourself. And that was, you know, that was very nice to see lots of activity coming out of places like La Belle Angel and the venue and the nights that were going on. You know, we ran for 12 years, so we had a lot of people involved over the years. Some of them went away and started their own nights. Some of the customers went away and punters went away and started their own nights and some of them became very successful and we're just it's just amazing to see you know a new new younger breeds of promoters and djs coming through and you know continuing this sort of legacy i suppose if you will simon who was running explicit he started out as a member of the bar staff at the bell and you know loved coming to the nights and stuff and uh, that he was definitely inspired to go off and and do his own night and there's been a whole host of other folk and certainly my time at La Belle Angel is you know it's been very even even in the live music scene 
you know, the, you, you see a lot of youngsters coming along and before you know it, they're on the stage and it's just great. Do you have any yeah. like particular um, standout memorable nights um, from Mango? I mean, there's, or is it too oh, blurry? There's, there's hundreds. <laughs> there's hundreds. Um, probably the really, really early on, actually, we hadn't, we went that big with agents or being able to book guests. So it was quite hard to book a DJ if you didn't know, you know, all the London crew. So we hooked up with some guys in Glasgow to put on LTJ Bookham. I think this was like two months into the night or something. And they took care of everything. And then of course it turned out it was a complete disaster and we were not going to get LTJ Bookham to come to Scotland. He basically just sacked it off. So this was like the day before or two days. And somehow we managed to get Pesci, who was part of the Metalheads crew, to come up last minute. And his set was probably the first big DJ set at Manga, which just completely and utterly blew the place apart. Absolutely phenomenal. He was he was so into the music that he was playing. He was mixing, easily mixing two tracks for 10 minutes or more continually for three or four hours. You couldn't get, you couldn't stop him. He was just like a machine. It's absolutely amazing. So yeah, that was a huge inspiration for me as a DJ and a very special night for Edinburgh to get one of the big contemporary DJs up from London. And to be honest, probably, you know, it worked out in our favor that Bookham didn't actually come that night. So <laughs> after that, the, the next big one probably was the one in the jungle radio one night, which very luckily DJ Kid had managed to get himself a spot with Fabio and Groove Rider on radio one, just a little uh, spot in the studio and because of that when they were looking at doing their UK tour of clubs we got picked to be the second night on the tour which basically meant that we went live from La Angel at 10 o'clock on a Friday night with me and Peter playing and then a big guest and we managed to get like four or five hundred people in going crazy at 10 o'clock when we went live and I was certainly never going to forget that that was you know un unbelievable and of course probably set us up for many years as being you know a sort of international club brand I think the average amount of people listening on a Friday night at that point so this was 1998 I think the average listening number was something like 8 to 10 million oh wow so I'll tell you now, I was the most nervous I've ever been. <laughs> Definitely the most nervous. But it went really, really well. It was a phenomenal night. It totally totally set us up. Um, after that, we had amazing nights with the uh, first tour Ronnie Size represent after they got the Mercury. Uh, we did them live. That was amazing. Lots of stories with that one. Mm. Probably one of the most special nights again was DJ Markey from Brazil. We got a phone call from the guys at Movement because we go down. We were going down to play it uh, their nights now and again. And they said, we've got this guy coming from Brazil. He's absolutely phenomenal. You need to have him playing at your night. And we had a, we had a, a night. It was the first night after the Edinburgh Festival, which normally a real struggle. You're not going to book a guest for that. And we just thought, well, we'll get him up. 
we'll give it a shot when nobody had ever heard of him and we sort of got a good wee buzz going about it lots of people came down and i think he's the first D- first and only dj that's basically made me cry with his first two tunes do you remember what the tunes were uh, no, I mean, I was crying, <laughs> I you know, I was losing my mind at that point. Mm. Nobody had ever brought so much energy as a DJ would never seen anything like it. Mm. Um, Zach, he's, he's, he's a living legend, basically. Mm. So we were very lucky to have him up. And our first birthday was a big one as well, actually, for bringing out an entirely different sound to clubs in Edinburgh because we had Ed Rush and he was doing like end of the world's Armageddon sounding the real heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he played he played like 10 classic tunes that no one had ever heard yet in his set. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. We also, I think, had something like 1,500 or 2,000 people in a queue trying to get in. Wow. Like it, it was like the queue went from La Belangelle down to Holyrood. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, lot, lots of special nights for sure. And, mm. uh, you know, lots of really, really good people involved over the years from the VJs, the DJs, dancers, artists, you know, everyone involved over the years, lots of people, mm. uh, uh, really and good, good at, team. At the moment, um, do you have any young promoters or DJs or producers in Scotland that you're particularly excited about? Um, in terms of drum and bass music, there is definitely a, a little, a good little scene going on. As I'm sort of retired from all that, in a sense, I'm maybe not up to date on that side musically, but because I've got the record shop, people who have releases in terms of vinyl or CD or they're, you know, they're making projects, uh, there is a lot of great young producers coming through who are even getting big time record deals and making amazing tracks. So yeah, there's not necessarily drum and bass, but other types of music. There's some great, really good people out there at the moment, particularly enjoying Mr. Proc Fiscal. Uh, He's got a new record out. That is absolutely phenomenal. There's some good stuff coming actually from the Miss World lot. Some of them have got tracks coming on vinyl uh fina's working here in the shop she's been playing lots of good sets out and about you know there's just there's definitely a really good because everybody's come out of lockdown trying to get stuff going again uh it feels like there's a really good energy at the moment and clubs seem to be busy lots of people trying to put on nights book djs so yeah very feel very good about it at the moment if you made it this far thanks for tuning in we welcome any and all feedback Please let us know what you liked or didn't like about the episode, who you'd like to hear from in future episodes, and anything else constructive that may be useful for future recordings. If you ran or still run a party that you think we should feature, please get in touch with me via email on nadia at theskinny.co.uk. When you get in touch, please explain a bit about yourself and your party and why we should feature it. Thanks, Thanks for listening.